Welcome back, boys and girls, to another episode of K-Babe Comparisons. My name is Mr. Know-It-All, Daniel John Schaefer, and today I am joined once again by the K-Babe crew, Jesse Baker and Wexley in the house. Wex, how you doing today, bro? Man, I'm doing fantastic today. Doing real great. Got me a nice little brew for the show. We're going to have a good time tonight. Yeah, yeah. Jesse, how you feeling, buddy? Doing really well. Any week with this much good wrestling, man, kind of can't be doing bad. It's a win for sure. It's a win for sure. I'm glad you brought it up, Wex. And since we do rate most of these matches by beer, what, what's everybody drinking tonight? What are you drinking over there, Wex? I'm drinking the Voodoo Ranger Imperial IPA. Mm. 9%. So, damn, I'm going to be feeling good. Uh-huh. Yeah, buddy. Jesse, what you got going on? Is there a mixer of some kind? Yeah, I've got a little White Claw. I'm kind of taking it light today. <laughs> yeah, long, long. Long uh, night of wrestling left to watch here tonight, too. I'm actually drinking the Celebration Fresh Hop IPA from Sierra Nevada. Love it. <laughs> I almost got Sierra Nevada, but I went to the 9%er today. I just wanted to give up. I am a big fan, for sure. And we have some great wrestling we're covering today. We're covering AEW's TV special, Winter is Coming. And that's going to be going up against NXT's War Games from this past weekend. I'm super hyped. Um, you know, to me, NXT is the best part of WWE. Uh, and AEW is always nice to be able to give them, you know, some more time on this show. So let's dive right in here on AEW's Winter is Coming. I actually did watch the quote-unquote pre-show on YouTube before. And it was uh, really just, you know, high packages with a weird Dark Order promo that felt awkward. But, yeah, first match on the card here is Dynamite Diamond Royale. Um, yeah, it's a pretty much a bunch of guys who get to decide who's going to face MJF for the Dynamite Diamond Ring. Jesse Baker, what did you think about the Dynamite Diamond Royale? I mean, I thought it was really smart for something like this that had so much promo hype behind it as a weekly episode to make sure to get everybody on TV that you could. I thought it was a good use of their minutes to get some guys some exposure, even though they didn't really explain much about who most of the people in the match were. Right. They did their classic bits of some of your classic Royal Rumble spots. Miro had a little wink at the Diesel spot or the Kane spot or whatever you want to call it. But um, I thought that was a really great intro. The uh, loaded glove spot in the middle of it I thought was great. It set up the good story for MJF and Cassidy this week. It was a three-beerer for me. All right, Wex, what do you think, man? I, I agree. I really enjoyed this match, and not I can some of the like you said the stories that progress and the thing. I really enjoyed the part. Hangman Adam Page uh, almost got eliminated, but it was saved by the Dark Order, and then they also helped him eliminate somebody. And that's another one of those cool little budding stories. And oh my God, that back and forth between Sammy Guevara and Jungle Boy on the apron, like. That's some of the best apron wrestling I've ever seen. Yeah. And I'm right there with Jesse. Three beers. It was a good way to get everybody on TV. It was your classic battle royal. Everybody had fun. And, and I like the whole in little thing where Orange Cassidy pulled his little sneaky move. And I'm looking forward to MJF and Orange Cassidy for the ring. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you guys on it. I'm a little less. I went two and a half beers on this one just because I'm not a fan of what they're doing with Paige and the Dark Order. I think it's I think that they wrote it well. I just I mean, honestly, to me, I feel like I feel like I feel like the Dark Order is AC, man. Like they have no heat at all. I feel like every time anything, they just absorb cool things like nothing. I don't th- I don't <laughs> think that like I mean, it's just it, it just it doesn't work for me. 
but overall, I, I pretty much agree with you guys. I did. I did. Did you guys notice that Cassidy was straight up pulling like the road dog from 2000 at one point where he was just in the corner, like holding on to the bottom rope so no one would eliminate him? <laughs> I always thought that that was a genius move. And like last year, we recently covered Royal Rumble 2000. And I just remember seeing the road dog do that. And I was like, in actuality and psychology wise, like that's the actual best possible thing that you can do in a match like this. I thought it was really good. So two and a half beers. I didn't hate it. Uh, I didn't like it as much as you guys. Though. Let's jump on over to NXT's war games. Uh, and their pre-show is pretty much, you know, your basic 30 minutes, 30 minute recap and production packages and whatnot. Um, but the opening match here is going to be the women's war games. Wex, what did you think about the women's war games here, man? For what it was, it was pretty fun, you know. Of course, these matches are always really chaotic, and it takes so long for the match to actually start. Like, yeah. Even though even though the match is long as hell, it only the match really only takes place for until everyone gets in there. But I thought it was fun. They had some pretty brutal spots. I'm pretty sure Candice LeRae possibly broke her arm when her under the chair, the spot under the chair. Yeah. That was brutal. I thought it was pretty funny when. Uh, What's her name? Here's her Candice LeRae's crony stuck the cle- uh, through the keys down in her cleavage. Like, get it? Like I thought that was funny. Like, wait, what are you gonna do? Molest me for the keys here, bud? Yeah. But for what it was, I guess I will go three beers on this too because it was fun. I really enjoyed the Io Shirai spot, and then I thought it was pretty cool that the champion is the one who took the pin. And I d- even though I did not like to see Shotzi lose coming in with that sick ass new tank. It was still still good. It's, the story progressed in the right way, even though like the fan side in me wasn't happy. You you understand what I'm saying? But I'm gonna go three beers on that one. Jesse, I see you stroking that chin. I know you got a lot to say. Give it to me. This is zero beers for me. I absolutely hated it. It was one of the most difficult things to actually watch all of it. I wanted to shut it off less than halfway through. Mainly, and it a big part of that is because I like most of the talent in this match. I was very surprised. Raquel Gonzalez, to me, came out with the most shine out of anybody following it. I thought that that was the most improved from going into coming out in terms of how she looked in the match, how they used her, the spot she was in, all this other stuff. Fundamentally, the heels having the disadvantage in a War Games match just is never, ever, ever going to sit right with me. Because you've got the face coming in, the first two-on-one, First thing Shotzi does is pull out this toolbox and this crowbar and then just doesn't touch it. And then yeah. everybody's pulling weapons out from the same part of under the ring. Like, if you were going to pull one out, why wouldn't you pull all of them out? It just didn't make right. any sense to me. The whole bit about EO not being able to get in, the cage does not have a fucking top on it. People climb cages in wrestling all the time. Like, it <laughs> yeah. just, I don't know. It, the, every bit about it. I don't know if they just went over most of the spots and sequences too much or why this is. But a lot of it kind of looked like what I call Dragon Ball spots, where it looks like somebody's shooting a fireball and the other guy's just waiting on it for six Yeah, yes. I saw that a few times. It looked very set up and like they were waiting for shit to happen. I and agree. I just thought they under, you know, I'll probably always think this, but I thought they underutilized Rhea Ripley in, in this particular presentation. I mean, they set it up great for her and Raquel, but still, I don't know. I just wasn't happy with it at all. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of going to split the difference with, with you guys on this one. I'm one and a half beers deep on this one, pretty much for the same reason. Okay, so who's the crony with the neck brace? Who was that that came out in a neck brace? Isn't it Indy Hartwell, her name? Yeah, that's her name. That's it is, Hartwell. I have Hartwell. Okay, no. so, so why, 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 yeah, why, why should anyone care? And I she did a run-in and took out the champion 
wearing a damn neck brace. Yeah. She was, I mean, she looked like she couldn't even yeah. move. She looked like it was, she was legit hurt. Why would you, and this is the person that you think should run in to take out your NXT champion. That makes sense. She's, she's wearing a neck brace and she takes out your champion. That's so stupid. Like, that's just so dumb. Like, sure. If you want her to get involved or whatever, like, first of all, might want to wait till she doesn't have a bedazzled neck brace on. Right. Second of all, like, don't put her in a War Games match when she has a neck brace on. I feel like <laughs> this whole neck brace thing is going to keep coming back. But, like, what is it? And, and no one even knows who she is. So why, why would you? This is the, that was really poorly booked. Um, everyone's like, you know, I know that the whole Io Shirai trash can spot is, like, now the biggest meme. But, like, it was so dumb to me. I, I remember watching it happen and being like, this is, this is, like, mid-90s Halloween Havoc bad. Like, this is just, like, I felt like this is close to House of Horrors kind of mad, like, bad type type vibe. I, I, I didn't like it at all. But the reason why I gave it a beer and a half is because I'm kind of with you. Like, I do like a lot of the talent. Dakota Kai, to me, is most improved in a year. If you look back a year from, you know, from the War Games back in 2019, she is significantly better in her movement and her selling and her performance overall. Um, definitely most improved. Not saying that she's the greatest worker on Earth, but she's definitely significantly improved. Um, so one and a half beers for me. Let's jump back over to AEW. Winter is coming here. Match number two on the card, the battle in Old Valley. It is Kazarian versus Jericho. Mr. Shake and Bake, tell me what you thought about this one. Dude, I liked it fine. I, it Probably the best that I've seen Jericho really look in a match in AEW in some time, if not ever. <laughs> uh, I'm a big Kaz guy. I think he obviously carried the whole thing, but it was seeing him get to shine in that level of a spotlight. I thought was really good, not only for Kazarian, but also for AEW as a whole, just because they need more potential top level talent. And I know he's up there age wise comparatively, but I still think he like I I still do equate him to a Randy Orton. And that guy. Yeah. So all in all, I thought it was good. Man, that whatever they did with that walls situation that got dragged out for so long looked it it looked all, as bad as the one that Jericho put on Kane on the show that we yeah. were ago. <laughs> yeah. it was so just abysmal but I just you know all in all I gave it four only because I really felt like for where the match was placed what little went into it I really felt like it was an entertaining watch bell to bell and that both guys worked pretty well how many beers deep are you on four Four beers deep. Wex, give it to me. What would you think, man? Kazarian versus Jericho. I thought it was a pretty fun match. I mean, both guys worked, like he said, like some of the best work Jericho's done in a while. And like that Spanish fly from the top, I was pretty impressed for Jericho. I mean, if Kazarian did that with anybody else, I wouldn't like be like freaking out as much. But it's Jericho. You saw how big his gut was in this match. It was, it was looking real rough at some points, especially in that wall, in that whole wall spot. And I think that's kind of why he just suddenly hit the Judas effect so quick. They tried to sell it on commentary as, like, desperation. But I think he's like, ah, oh, that looks like shit. We're just going to hurry up and run into the finish. But, like you said, the work was great. And it's still – there's that extra layer with the story with, you know, MJF running out with the towel and Sammy yeah. Guevara taking it away. So I like that yeah. whole progression of the whole inner circle imploding thing. And then even after the match, he gave the whole ultimatum to him and everything. So yeah, great work, great story. I'm just going to go slightly less – because of that weird spot, three and a half beers. 
Yeah, I think we're we're all pretty close. For a rare time on this show, I'm actually dead on with Jesse. I believe I'm a four beers here, um, and so for the same reason, I thought Jericho seemed like he had more steam than usual. Okay, and then I thought about that, and I remember a few weeks ago when Jesse had came on the show and he was like, you know, Jericho's the kind of guy that really needs the crowd. He looks so blown up because he has to have the crowd. And I, I really paid attention to that, and he's 100% right. That like To me, it wasn't even that he had so much more steam. It's that there was more of a crowd there that he played to. And when he needed to quote-unquote catch his wind or whatever, he would just play to the crowd as Jericho does and did it really well, and it made a massive difference. Like This whole match, if it had just been the same you know, AEW dark guys around the ring and not a crowd would have been way worse, even if they did the exact same work. So I think that like Jesse kind of like put it, put it in my head. Like he totally needed the crowd here and it made a massive difference. That whole MJFTs with the towel was fantastic. The booking itself was great. I mean, the only thing that kind of sucked is by the end of the match with the whole inner circle thing, you already kind of forgot that Kaz actually, you know, was there and went over, you know what I mean? Like that kind of, that like, so that kind of sucks, but I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, let's move back on over to NXT's War Games. Match number two on the card is Tommaso Ciampa versus Timothy Thatcher. We had a, did have a nice a nice Balor promo about his return right beforehand. Jesse, what do you think about this Balor promo and just this match in general, Ciampa versus Thatcher? I like the Balor promo. I like him in a more serious light and a little less comic booky. I've always preferred that side of him. Yes. I do think the way the promo was worded kind of buried the lead on the whole war games thing. Yes. <laughs> we'll get yep. back to what's important. You're like, we're at the top of a show based around the gimmick that you're kind of trashing, which I thought was strange, but yeah. either way, it kind of makes sense though. If you think about it, um, dude, Thatcher and Tommaso is four and a three quarter beer match for me. I loved it. I thought it was a great wrestling match. It, they worked very rough. I've, this is a perfect example of the kind of match that can defy that face-heel necessity in a lot of wrestling matches just because the action went so quickly paced, and it wasn't too long that it got horrifically boring. So it was it was up there in my book. I loved it. The four and three quarters, that's where you're at? That is me. Okay, I'm about three and a half on this one, and the reason why is because I've seen Ciampa faster. I've seen him smoother. And I can see that he is not what he was. Uh, there's just there's something there to me. I, I think that Thatcher, they did a great job. I, I like the aggressiveness of it. I like the stiff, quote, the quote unquote, stiff technical wrestling that they were doing. Uh, but I actually think that it was done better by, uh, you know, the, the open and the men's in the men's uh, war games match. I mean, I thought Dunn and O'Reilly actually did almost the exact same style, just a little bit smoother to me. I could just see the kinks in the armor in Ciampa. And honestly, it's a bummer to me because I'm such a huge, huge Ciampa mark. Like, I, I, I love that dude. And I love Thatcher, too. This one, I think it actually let me down. I think I was expecting the moon from this one, and that's what it was. I was expecting this to be five beers or more. And it just, I don't know. It, it, it almost, Honestly, it made me a little sad to see Ciampa kind of slow down a little bit. It just, it, it, it bugged me. So, yeah, I'm about three, three and a half beers here. Wex, what do you think, man? I'm somewhere kind of meeting you in between on this one. I'm going to go with four beers on this match, and I didn't, really didn't have high expectations on this. I really didn't know what to expect going into it because I haven't really been keeping up with their feud or really what's been going on with them on TV, and I was surprised. Like, I enjoyed it. It was very aggressive and brutal, but kind of like you said, Ciampa can be smoother. 
one note that I wrote down that I remember, I said it was ugly but effective. Like it sure. wasn't that yeah. perfect. Like it wasn't that perfect stuff, but it was still very cool to watch, and they still put on it like still put on a good match. It was just a a brutal, ugly, just fuck each other up style match. It wasn't that classic Champa technical wrestling, but they still did toss that in there a bit enough. But I enjoyed it because I w- I didn't have like those high expectations like you, and I just they they thoroughly entertain me. And Timothy Thatcher looks like a fucking madman. He is a madman for sure, and I think that they did a really good job of. Maybe, you know, honestly, maybe that, that's what they were going for. Maybe they wanted it to look more choppy and brutal. They didn't want the smoothness of it. Maybe that was on purpose, and it's just not my preference. You know what I mean? Because we, we've talked about, like, work shoot stuff before, and I don't, I don't like that. I know a lot of people do. But, I, I, like, to me, it's almost like, what's the point then? You know what I mean? Like, just, just fight. Like, yeah, you know, like I, I get people it. like I MMA, too. I get both sides. Um, but yeah, yeah, straight up. Let's, let's, let's jump, jump back over to Winter is Coming Here and the Acclaimed. Uh, I guess make their debut in a promo and uh, kind of a bad one at that really too. I mean, pretty yikes actually very cringy. Honestly, I was like, what, this is not, this is not the best. Like, I guess it's kind of cool that the young bucks are kind of doing their own open challenge thing where it's like just newer teams are getting like their push, just, you know, working the champs. I think that's cool, but the acclaim, I don't know. what do you guys think about that promo? Was it, was it decent, bad? I thought it was pretty rough. Wex, Wex, where are you at on it? I thought it was good because I thought it was supposed to be kind of bad and cringy and the whole thing. And then Matt's like, you know, didn't someone already do this gimmick? Like he called, he basically called him out. Like I, I thought that was part of the whole thing. Like it was supposed, like, cause their heels are not, it's supposed to be kind of cringy and like, ah, you guys really doing this shit? And so I liked it. Well, that's where you at. Or Jesse, where you at on it? Nope. Didn't like it at all. (laughs) There we go. I just thought, I mean, it was so cheesy and the run in was also, Super weak, I thought. I mean, when's the last time you saw a run-in beat-down attempt where somebody half-ass attempts to put a leg lock on a dude while he's on? I mean, I, I just I hated the whole thing. As far as the acclaimed thing goes, I don't understand the point of bringing in fresh young tag teams just to bury them in a fucking promo. Like, I, I did not add up. Agreed. Agreed. Why don't you just save this for next week and have another open challenge and put on a great match like you did with that – who's the new kids? The brothers? Top flight. Top flight. Top flight. Yeah, those kids are amazing. Like, and and they, they got a rub from doing a job like that that which is amazing booking by EW for sure. Yeah. But you could have just kept this up. Having this promo to me, I like honestly after the promo, I have no desire to see that match. None at all. Like, that's so that's kind of a bummer there well, for sure. That's where but, we disagree. I want to see it. I'm looking forward oh. to. It. All right. Well, here we are. Here we are, Wex. Well, then you know what? Tell me what you thought about Britt Baker versus Layla Hirsch here. I will tell you, I thought it was a great match. I'm a fan of Layla Hirsch. After I saw her debut on Dynamite, I was pretty impressed with her. So, you know, started watching some of her other matches, and I thought it was a pretty solid matchup. And I don't know, she kind of has that, like I've said, that kind of Kurt Angle, John Silver-esque thing going on because she has the size, but she does the suplexes. And she works great. I think they should use her on TV more in these matches because she clearly knows what she's doing, and half the women on the roster don't even... Look like they don't even know what they're doing half the time. And I like the whole setup with Reba and the distraction. And, like, I mean, it was a solid little thing. And then Thunder Rosa immediately, just, like, not even, like, as soon as before the bell even finishes her jumping in there. I like the progression of the story. Fun match. But it wasn't, like, a five-star match. So I'm going to go with a three beers on that one. Jesse, give it to me. What do you think about Britt Baker versus Layla Hirsch? I'm at four beers on it. I, it's been a long time since I've seen a Britt Baker match that I gave two shits about. 
And I didn't necessarily, I wasn't invested in this one, but I must say it, she looked better here than I've seen her look in a long time. I'm into Layla Hirsch, dude. I think that they have a lot of potential in her if they use her the right way. Uh, much akin to what you're saying, Wex, about the John Silver, Kurt Angle kind of thing. I mean, we're, it's a horsewoman vibe for sure, but her size and her power, she's got that low center of gravity that is very Taz-like almost. And I, I just super enjoyed the match for what it was. I thought it was great, especially if you compare it against AEW's other women's matches. Yeah, this is a big bomb for me, bro. One beer at most. Um, oh, Layla Hirsch is probably legally a little person. I mean, maybe. I mean, she's uh, she cannot be more than four foot nine, four foot ten. Uh, it's. I mean, she's okay. Look, I'm not saying that she doesn't have the skills, but there's no way you can push that. There's just no way for that to really get over. Also, too, like AEW has the worst booked women's division. Period. I don't know who's who handles that, but it's trash. Like for, okay, you, okay, you're you're putting all of this focus on Britt and Hirsch and Thunder Rosa. Where's the champ? Why is Britt not the champ then? Honestly, she's the most over woman in your company, and Britt Baker is not for why? Because of Sheeta? Because Sheeta has a relationship with Omega? Is that is that why? Because this is like why is Hiroko Sheeta the champion? This, can anyone tell me? What is she doing to? She's supposed to be making the belt, right? It's not the belt that makes the person. The person makes the belt. She's not making anything on that belt. It's a forgotten title at this point. Honestly, it's like because this is the biggest this is the biggest women's angle you have going. That's why it's on Britt Baker's the biggest thing. That's why it's on your special, right? But you don't where's the title? So dumb. I, I one beer at most from me. This is I, I don't know. It's a it's a it's poorly booked. I, I mean the the bell to bell was fine, but Layla Hirsch is like I you can see that she has skills, but how can you possibly use those skills believably with the rest of your roster? How? They, Rio was their champion. If Rio could be their champion, anybody can be. That was champion. a poor move too, in my opinion. Where's she been? She's stuck, stuck in Japan, I think. Is she just stuck there, or is she out of her contract now? Because I don't think she's not still she's signed. She's stuck. She's stuck there, but she's still wrestling. Because I see her post shit wrestling all the time for yeah, like. That's Star what I'm saying. Run. Yeah, but she's not. That's what I mean, though. She's. I don't think she's still with AEW. I think that was one of the when they let those releases go to let them wrestle with other people. That happened at the beginning of quarantine. I know that like a handful of people got fired for sure, or let oh, go, no. not fired. Kenny's, but. Kenny's like really good friends with her, so I doubt she's just like gone. But that's completely. my point, though. I don't know. I don't know. I I, I feel like I feel like the the this whole thing of like bringing these Japanese women over just because they're good wrestlers, bell to bell, and making them that's been the main focus of your title picture is really poor booking. I think you're trying to capitalize on that New Japan sensation that really happened four or five years ago, for being honest. New Japan is not what it was in 2015-16. It's just not. I mean, it, now, uh, now, people still, love it still. It's, good, though. it's, yeah, still, it's still really good product, but the hype, the, the heat, the fire that it has behind it is not nearly the same level. Yeah, this Losing is not, television did not help. Yes. Like, oh, for sure. Yeah, it definitely didn't help. But they also lost half of their, I mean, half of their talent. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, look at it. We wouldn't have an AEW without New Japan. So, I mean, it is what it is. But let's jump on over here to the next one. On NXT War Games, it's Cameron Grimes versus Dexter Loomis in a strap match. Uh, the package that they put together was, while pretty funny, it also kind of makes Grimes look like a cartoon. And that's not really a good thing to me. It's very new generation-ish. Uh, and I don't, I don't like that. Cameron Grimes and Dexter Loomis. Jesse, give it to me. I think... Both guys come off cartoonish in this. I mean, they're trying to push this Agreed. Dexter Morgan gimmick on the formerly known as Samuel Shaw. I like his intensity and his pacing and his methodology in the ring. 
But this whole tortured artists, serial killer from Mudland gimmick is very. There's just only so much you can do with it from the other side. It doesn't really translate in the ring. It's not. And then with Cameron Grimes, you know, I understand he's smaller than a lot of the people on the roster. That motherfucker could work, though. He's a good promo, too. Yeah. He does have great promos when he's not acting like he's a scared little bitch all the time. Yeah. And I, I don't know. This is a beer and a half for me. I also didn't. I think part of it that hurt for me is. In the when you're bookended by two war games matches and you feel the need to put a strap in this one, I kind of felt like Agreed. they. Agreed. I think so they jumped the sharks. You know. Yeah, I way too many gimmicks. That, but. Felt very, very mid '90s WCW. What did you think about this one, Wex? I'm not a fan of Cameron Grimes the character because I knew him as Trevor Lee, like being a badass wrestler, and I hate the fucking hat. His whole little like bullshit chicken shit heel like his laugh like everything about it just pisses me off like and i even still have it written as samuel samuel in my notes because i forgot he's now called dexter fucking loomis like what, <laughs> what kind of that's like when when vince mcmahon was coming up with names for and he said dolph ziggler he thought it sounded funny like why the fuck like dexter loomis is like the most least intimidating name for a wrestler like i, I just agree. can't get over it and it was just like i like y'all said too many gimmicks why have a strap match in the middle of this I'm going to give it a beer just because Cameron Grimes kind of got the shit beat out of him. That was fun to see just because he pisses me off. But not really him, just his gimmick and his character. Like, I... Fuck. (laughs) Three beer. I mean... (laughs) One beer for this match. God damn it. One strong as fuck 9% beer. Oh, I love it, man. I love that that beer is kicking in. That IPA is flowing through those veins, Wex. That's about halfway down. For me... Honestly, okay, guys, uh, we've been through it. The way I judge matches is I judge it three beer. If out of a six pack, it's three beers work great, three three beers for booking. So for me, I'm giving this a full three beers because I actually thought the bell to bell was super super good. I thought out of the gate it was really aggressive. I hate everything that they're doing with the storyline. I hate everything that they're doing with both of these guys as their characters. But if I had to just show this to someone that had no idea what was going on, didn't show them any of the promos, and just showed them this match. I think they would have been like, damn, there, there was some there was some solid bumps here. They worked really well together. They definitely do have chemistry as workers against each other. And I thought that for a strap match, the intensity was definitely there. The only thing that really bothered me about it being a strap match is it was a damn pin. Like, come on, guys. If it's a strap match, it needs to be a four-corner finish. Like, there's so much cool shit you can do with that. There's so much, like, sus- like you know, like suspense that you can build with the whole tap in the four corners. Like, I miss that. I don't understand why strap matches stop doing that that really bothers me but three beers i'll give it the top top level for work rate because i actually did really enjoy the match but i agree on all levels as far as booking i think that both guys could have uh, i I honestly think that dexter loomis's character could be great if they give him a quote-unquote paul bearer to be a mouthpiece for him um i think that would be great i just i don't know who you have on the roster that could do it honestly i know it sounds crazy but I think that if Dexter Loomis was a part of the Robert Stone brand and bring him at like he's a good he's a good manager. It's just no one in WWE really invests in managers. That's one thing that I just want to see happen again in pro wrestling, like really good managers that have stables of people that aren't a faction. They're not friends, but because they're getting paid by the same guy, they might help out here and there. You know what I mean? Like I like, want like the hate like the. The fucking Heyman, Heyman's old stable back yes. in the day. Yes, Dangerous Alliance, exactly, yes. The Heenan yes. family. The Heenan, yeah, the the Heenan, Heenan family, family. exactly. Dangerous I want to see real pro wrestling 
managers again, real ones. You know what I mean? I mean, I think we've proven that Paul Heyman is easily the best manager in the past 20 years because he's the only fucking manager over the past 20 fucking years. You know what I mean? AEW has finally brought back managers because WWE just doesn't do it anymore. It's so dumb, too. There's so much you can do to save people that can work, really work in the ring, but just can't cut a promo. There's Prime so Tom much Slater you can do. used to have a manager, and then he got fired because he said something. Yeah, well, it happens. I mean, come on, guys. I mean, Estrada with Umaga. I mean, there's always, like, one or two that'll pop in here and there. But I think Robert Stone, I mean, is Robbie E., quote-unquote, I think he's a great mouthpiece. He, I know he's banged up, doesn't really want to work, and he could be a great manager, especially in that NXT world when they do kind of favor some of that old-school style. I really feel like they could benefit from having a manager, but not just like a manager for one guy, and that's it. That's just that one guy. He should build his own stable, not faction. And I feel like too many people, maybe people just aren't old enough to remember, but factions and stables are two different things. Like, Yeah. That's a totally different podcast, though. Before we get way too far off on our tangent, let's go back to AEW's Winter is Coming. The next match on the card here is Darby Allen and Cody Rhodes versus Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs, which I like that name change, by the way. I think it's a good idea. I think it makes sense, especially if you're about to absorb a different company with a different Willie. Um, I actually mixed them up once, too. Let's talk about the match. Jesse Baker, what do you think about Allen and Rhodes versus Starks and Hobbs? I had to go back and rewatch it because of the big moment kind of overshadowed my memory of what happened in the match. The match itself was really fucking good. It, Hobbs looked wonderful. I thought Allen worked to his strengths like he almost always does. Rhodes looked good. I mean, it, the uh, whole thing, and Starks, I mean, fuck. Like, money written all over that guy for sure. The kerfuffle at the end of the match was something that I thought the booking on was odd for the big moment, being that it was an even fight. And if you're looking at three young studs in Team Taz stable plus Taz, and then you're looking at the other side of that equation being Arn, Dustin, Cody, and Darby, it seemed very odd that we get the big moment during this. Like It, it was very uh, – it was cool – I was afraid it was going to be Glacier, but it kind of came across <laughs> as anticlimactic to me. The match itself, I gave four beers. Wow. All right, Wex, you're up. I thought it was a fun match, and I like like you said, I had to go back and watch it too because all I was thinking about was Stang, of course. But Stang! They, I mean, they worked like a classic solid tag match. They like isolated Darby Allen and like, Team Taz aside for basically the entire match, mostly until he got that hot tag from Cody and came in and they hit all their shit. It looked good. For beer-wise, I don't know. Let's see. I should have written this down ahead of time, but I'm going to go just off the top of the dome and I'm going to go four beers because added with the sting, good work rate, classic tag match. It all worked out good for me. I liked it. And, uh, yeah. I don't really have anything else much to add on it, except uh, I will say one thing. I thought this was pretty fucking ridiculous. Cody's entrance was so long that they had to take a commercial break before the match started. He had more pyro than Jericho this week. That happens all the time. He keeps just getting 
cockier and cockier. Bro, and we are having the Dusty conversation. Like, we are literally being the marks, the same marks in the 80s that were like, why does Dusty get the longest entrance? Why is he looking himself <laughs> as the champ? Like, guys, we know why he's the champ. We know why he gets the long entrance. He is the main guy, and he deserves to be, man. There would, I, I will say there is no AEW without Cody Rhodes specifically. Specifically Cody Rhodes. There's no he's AEW. But he's supposed to be a baby face, but he just comes off such like a heel to me. But that's just that's just my opinion. But all right, we'll, let, let's keep it going. That's fair. I mean, this felt pretty Southern wrestling to me. The the four dudes, I, honestly, I didn't think they worked well together at all. I, 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 again, I'm just not a fan of Team Taz. I don't like, quote-unquote, powerhouse Hobbs being in that group. I don't. Maybe I just have a hard-on against Taz. I don't know what it is, but like, I don't get why that's a thing. I don't understand why there should be value in a guy that was primarily a commentator for the majority of his career outside of ECW. I don't understand why all of a sudden he's supposed to be this this great who else have you trained? Who else did you bring to the business? Who else have you been like li- listen, I'm and this is again, I'm not knocking Taz as a person. I'm just saying like on TV, has we seen him? Has he ever been a manager before? Why does pe- why do people care about Team Taz? I just don't get it. it I, I mean, I'm asking legitimately, why 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 would one of you two be invested in Team Taz? I can answer that for my end. I mean, it it does primarily revolve around WC or ECW rather. When Team Taz was a thing then, and the fact that he legitimately was one of the trainers for ECW school, and a lot of guys went through there, the I think that Taz, no matter no matter the length of his career, does have that semblance and feel of realism to the wrestling aspect of his career. He does come across as a tough guy. He does come, I mean, diminutive maybe, whatever, but I don't think that counts that much this day and age. I also think he's a fantastic mouthpiece. You get a guy like Cage, not a great promo. Starks will break away and figure that out. However, it's not a bad way to come in. To me, Hobbs doesn't look out of place in any of the positions they put him in so far. I haven't really heard well, him. Well, it's not that he's out of place. It's not that he's yeah. out of place. I just haven't heard him attempt to cut a promo, so I don't know if he needs Taz or not. But yeah, that, I mean, that would be why I'm invested. I guess that's fair. I think Darby Allen is also too a little, you know, he, he does play to his strengths. I like that. He gets, I, I don't know. To me, I don't understand him as a babyface either. I, I don't get it. I, don't, I mean, maybe it's just not, I don't know. I, everyone tries to compare him to Jeff Hardy, but I don't, I do not get that vibe from him at all. Maybe it's just because I'm not in the same position in my life as when I was when Jeff Hardy became like a baby face. But I think it's because they, JR always says on commentary, the strange enigma Darby Allen, and yeah. Jeff Hardy's the charismatic enigma. It's just that word, and he has yeah. it's just they want it. But Darby Allen's his own fucking thing. He's no, I agree. Okay. I agree. He's I don't. Himself. I don't. I don't like the comparison. I mean, in this thing thing, look. Okay, it was. Was it a cool moment? Yes. Did it get a big pop? Yes. Like, was it awesome to see? Absolutely. It was cool. But what's the fucking end game here, dude? Is like sixty. We're gonna round out on Dynamite. Like, what is the actual end game here? Like, is he gonna wrestle? And who? Rumor has it, yes. That's what everybody's reporting: is that there are matches in the multi-year contract. It's gonna be Jericho versus Sting in a baseball bat match. (laughs) I swear to God, if they try to sign Ric Flair. (laughs) Anyway. Anyway, overall for me, I gave it I gave it three beers, and the, because the jury is out for me. I mean, maybe they can book Sting properly. They, I mean, they can. I guess it's possible for them to make it happen. Um, but we'll see. Again, jury's just kind of out for me on that one. 
let's jump back over here to NXT War Games. Next match on the card is going to be uh, the triple threat match. Damian Priest, Johnny Gargano, and Leon Ruff for the NXT North American Championship. But before we get there, I did pop really hard for the Mattel playset. Uh, it looks super rad. I have a five-year-old son that plays with uh, action figures with me because now I finally have one. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it was awesome. I'm really pu- pumped about it. I definitely pre-ordered it, so I'm going to have it coming in the mail for uh, Christmas, and he's going to be super excited. Uh, then the Leon Ruff story is the best thing that's happening in NXT. It's the best thing they've done in years. I mean, they've literally made a guy in a single match, and you can't beat that. Did you guys have any notes as far as, like, the promo package here? How do you guys feel about the Leon Ruff situation to begin with before we get into the match? Jesse? I really think that this is a tremendous use of NXT and WWE's storytelling ability and production ability that yes. is not utilized well enough often yes. enough. Yes. It's a very unlikely underdog story, but the thing is, a lot of that credit has to go to Ruff, too, because when you put him oh, in those sure. situations, he also does not look out of place. No. So I, I'm a big fan of it. Well, where are you at on it? Yeah, I like the promo. Kind of like Jesse said, they have the potential to do stuff like that, but they just don't really utilize their strengths and take that stuff into the full advantage because they could be doing this to a lot of like unknown people who have talent. They could be building, but they kind of don't. Yeah, I mean... To me, I get I get super strong one two three kid Razor Ramon vibes between Ruff and Priest a hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, let's jump into the match here. Uh, it's Priest Gargano and Ruff. Um, I like again I like everything about the story. I like that it's um I like that they that they've put so much into Ruff in such a short period of time and even him losing the title in this match I feel like just him carrying it for the little short period of time that he did made a massive 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 difference. And Priest and Gargano worked some great sequences while Ruff was out. Uh, I thought it was all really, really good, really well put together. Uh, the story has legs with all three guys, and that's super rare. I gave this thing five whole beers. Uh, what do you think about this, Wex? I went pretty close to you. I went four beers because I hadn't really seen Leon Ruff work much except for that last, you know, his, yeah. his big match. And he fucking, he kills it. He's really, really good. I still, till this day, can't fully buy Johnny Gargano as a heel. It just doesn't, doesn't really work for me. He just does not seem very heelish. But they all three work together. And like, every time they did the classic, you know, triple threat, one guy goes out and the two guys go in. They like, everything worked. And I liked how they, like, like how they utilized the double ring with the, like, wrapping Damian Priest in the ropes and then going for the submission and everything. Thought that was pretty cool. One thing that I really wish Damian Priest would do that I probably mentioned on another podcast: stick with either that sit-out choke slam or the razor's edge as your finisher. Just quit trying to do the crossroads. Like I know they want to, know they still fucking hate. Like they want to still dig at Cody, but it just it's making it's hindering him as a performer. If anything, agreed. agreed. He could be doing such better moves agreed. and everything. That sit-out choke slam did, is the one. Yeah, I did like Austin Theory kind of healing it up because. He was the guy in the mask, so the class like, it was me, Austin, it was me all along. I just fit perfect, fit flowing perfect there, but four beers. Great, great work. Yeah. Still Good nostalgia like there. If Johnny Gargano wasn't just not believable as a heel, and he did the, and Damian Priest didn't use try to use the, that fucking move as a finisher, I would go five beers, but I'm going to go four beers. Jesse, where are you at on it? I had to stick with three for a couple of reasons, primarily the Gargano thing. It just fucking I, – I still just can't deal with it. Even with the Austin Theory reveal and stuff, I'm like, 
he still has to somehow not look like an eager little kid that is at his first wrestling show, you know, and it, I don't see it happening really. The, the eager little kid thing works for him though. It's like a yeah. Bailey thing. I mean, it's, yes. it, I don't, yes. But the other aspect of this, the whole like scream mask, demon ghost angle thing. Why the fuck is that still going on in December? I don't understand. Like that, you got to change the route up on that a little bit. I just thought it was a little overkill and mighty out of place and hella weird looking. That kind of took me out of it a little bit. The match is fucking stellar. And Leon Ruff yeah. showed out yet again. I think he has a big future with the company now. Yep. And I, as much as I would like to see them put that title on Priest, truth be told, I'm kind of hoping they get him out of this North American scene here shortly yeah. and go ahead and push that motherfucker to the moon because they have a genuine bona fide superstar in that man. Yeah. Yeah. How many beers were you on this one again? Three. Three? Okay. Yeah, I think I'm. I mean, I I, I I I agree with everything that you said for the most part. I think the best thing about this too is that Johnny winning the North American Championship. I honestly think they're going to spin to Priest versus Rough. I think that's going to be a friendly. I think it's going to be very much one, two, three, kid Razor Ramon deal. I think they're friendly really going to push it that way. Yes, friendly rivalry, and I think it's going to be. I think it's going to spawn some really cool shit. Because, I mean, even if you look at the Ring of Honor days, Damian Priest does some really cool shit with guys significantly smaller than him. Oh, he's and, fucking fantastic. I can't, I mean, can't see Yeah, him. this is going to be really good. I think it's going to be great for both of them because he, as, as since he's been quote-unquote Damian Priest, he hasn't really had that opportunity to work with someone that much smaller. And Ruff is only – this is going to be a win-win for both guys. I really think that this, this feud in NXT is going to be one of those feuds that we talk about like a Balor Owens, you know what I mean? Like this is really going to make them in the company. These two guys, Priest and Ruff, even without Gargano being the heel, whatever he is, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, let's let's jump on over here to AEW's Winter is Coming for the next match here, and it is Kenny Omega versus John Moxley for the AEW World Championship. We did get a nice little promo. Uh, for the next coming weeks, um, and then like a Sheeta promo that was really bad. Um, that was some Psycho Sid level shit right there. That was, it was just, yeah, so bad. It was on. It was on purpose though. Like I know, but who cares? Like it just. I said that too, and I watched. It, I said we're live, pal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just it was not it was not good. I know it was on purpose, but that doesn't. I don't know. That was stupid. I feel like it's only catering to marks honestly i mean you know what i mean it's only catering to people like us that remember that shit you know what i mean like <laughs> no i mean have you i mean they always talk about their fucking demo and if you're talking about the demo not very many people in that quote-unquote demo really remember that psycho said i'm sorry can i do that again no one really remembers that shit they're the people that's that all, i mean it's not like we yeah, remember but, it fondly you know yeah, like i know but what i'm saying is they're only it's it's only for guys literally like us with microphones in front of us for podcasts and shit like that. That's that's what it was meant to pop us. And yeah. like, while I appreciate that, I don't think that's the best thing to do with your women's champion. You yeah, know what I mean? Stupid. Yeah. It's just absolutely fucking asinine. Fucking dumb. But here we go. Not dumb at all. Kenny Omega versus John Moxley. Not a big fan of the John Ambrose or John Moxley promo before. Bad pre-recorded. Still stutters a lot. How can you even have that in a pre-recorded? promo and allow that to happen i don't i will never understand why aew does pre-taped shit and there's mistakes and it, i don't get that why would you why everyone why? does that that i can't understand yeah it just it's it I, I i don't get it all right well you know what wex tell me what you thought about kenny omega versus john moxley for the aew world heavyweight championship 
of course, you know, I'm a Kenny Omega mark, and I really, like I've said before on the show, not even really a big fan of John Moxley, but this match was fantastic because they both got to utilize what they do best in different parts of the match. Like, you got a little outside sequence where Moxley got to do his quote-unquote garbage wrestling, you know, do his little things, and then they had their class. They got some stuff in the ring, lots of technical stuff. I really enjoyed the sit-down spot where they were just slapping the shit out of each other. Like, the work rate was fucking fantastic in this match, and the added layer of the final story at the end with Don Callis and the microphone and running out to Impact with the title. And if you watched Impact last night, Kenny Omega actually tried to explain. He was like, well, since he he goes, I had a gentleman's agreement, but since you struck Don Callis, that's like striking my father. He's a father figure, so the gentleman's agreement was off at that point. And I just thought that was brilliant. I love Hill Kenny Omega. I'm going to mark all the way out and go six beers on this match. Like, oh. I love the ending after he busts him open, just brutalizes him with the V-triggers and does the Okada. He even did the Okada pose. Like, so many layers in this match, like, for stuff that's going to – stuff that's here to come in the future. It's It was a fucking fantastic match. Jesse, give it to me. This is the closest to, I think, what a lot of people expected to see out of Omega. Now, that is not me saying that it's my favorite that he's done here, but – I think this is what a lot of people were banking on from the get-go with AEW. I still am one of those people that the amount – how many times can you full force hit a motherfucker in the face with your knee and not take him down? I mean, I I was sitting there and counting them at one point, and I think I got to 30. And it's like kind of unbelievable a little bit, just to some degree. That was always going to bother me. The match in and of itself I thought was versatile for both of them comparatively to what they normally do. The, I, the 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 booking of the ending was brilliant, but the execution of it, there was something that was just really like cloddy and strange to me that I did not enjoy about when Callis came to the apron. Were those fucking rose petals that fell out of his butt? What the what? Not like it was his, no, he had he had the little uh you know like the thing on his his suit like what's it called the little flower thing you wear it like a corsage. Yeah, he had that he had that on his no, thing. No, it's not. Hit. It's a girls with a corsage. Corsage and guys have the boutonniere. Boutonniere, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it was because he was wearing that on his jacket and that's that's what went flying. Was it gimmick to explode like a scene out of American Beauty? Because that (laughs) does not look organic. I think it just ended up like that. There was something about that pass off and the way that that all went down that just did not come off as organic. But I saw what they were doing. I thought it was a clever way to finish. Obviously, it's the best way to turn Kenny, which they've been needing to do anyway. I went four beers on it just because. This may have been the best match that these two could have with one another without it being kind of crazy blood and guts, which would then not even necessarily make it a better match, just possibly more entertaining to a different demographic. But still wasn't my favorite thing I've seen. I do have high hopes for the future coming out of this, though. So for me, I think that this one kind of proved that, and I'm I'm going to say something bold here, but I think that this match totally proved that John Moxley is quite possibly one of the most overrated wrestlers of all time. Not just like, not just in our lifetime. I think that the dude, he has go away heat with me. I don't think he can do anything right. I think everything in, in the ring looked clunky. I felt like you could even see on Omega's face that he was carrying this fucking match. I, I mean, there were, there were, there were missed spots by John. Like it's just, he's not, I don't I will never understand it. He is a guy that hates WWE so much. And if you look at CZW to where he got in WWE, you would he would be nothing 
without Vince McMahon and those quote unquote silly shit that he had to do. He would have never been over. He would have never gotten anywhere if he had just not gone to WWE. So I don't understand why he has this whole disdain for WWE doing silly shit when all he's fucking done in AEW is silly fucking shit. It just it doesn't make sense to me. I don't buy him as a per, as a wrestler per, persona at all. I can feel that he is not the person that he is portraying in this character. I can feel that he's not that guy. And that's and his ring work is just lackluster to me. Overall, I thought Kenny worked a great match, of course. Uh, and it pretty much made the match possible. The whole doctor moment was fucking silly. Nobody got it. I mean, like, granted, Kenny turning heel is the best part of this. A full heel turn. And then the whole impact thing. Like, that, that the booking part of this, the finish part of this was great. The wrestling bell-to-bell was okay at best and it was because Kenny has literally had matches with inflatable dolls in Japan and I felt like some of those inflatable doll spots were better than this John Moxley match I just don't like John Moxley I never will I don't understand why he has value bell to bell in the ring or any promo he's ever done everything feels forced to me the best thing about this is that he's no longer the world champion that's the absolute best thing Amen. obviously moving into the impact thing too um, we'll touch on that at the end of the show but before I get too carried away, we got a lot still to talk about on the NXT show. It's the main event here on that side, too. It's the men's war games match. Uh, definitely a nice little promo before for the TV special, the whole New Year's evil thing. It was nice and cute as uh, as WWE normally does. Uh, and then I, I did like the production package for the, the main event here. As CM Punk has said, clearly, Pat McAfee is the best promo in NXT for sure. Uh, I don't think anyone else would argue with that. Um, but you know what? Since Jesse is our old school, our resident old school guy here, break down this men's war games match for me. What do you think? I enjoyed it. I, I did have on my notes, which you touched on earlier, that the same uh, similar style to Champa and Thatcher from earlier in the night was executed at the beginning of this match. I thought done extremely well. I feel like everybody in this match performed to the top height of their skill in terms of what they do normally. I really enjoyed that there wasn't a ton of overusing the cage until it got everybody kind of got going. They didn't really use the gimmick too much to overshadow what the match capability was. Uh, at first, I thought Pat McAfee didn't deliver as well as he did the first time, and I went back and watched it again and was like, you know what? That's an unfair criticism. This is a completely different kind of match. Yeah. And I thought he did a great job. The I wish they would have left the weapons out of it, but agreed. That's just me, you know. You're gonna have a, a cage and two rings and steel plating in between them plus weapons, and nobody's gonna draw blood. That just kind of takes me out of it a little bit. But agreed. the uh, as far as a classic war games match goes, the dynamic between the teams, the way it all ended up, I one of the biggest things I'm enjoying about all this is the organic nature of the turn of the undisputed era just in total. And they're, not really having, yeah. they're not having to force it. They're not having to come out and be like, you know what? I like babies now or whatever. Yeah. It's just not <laughs> cheesy and shitty. It's very, yeah. it just sort of organically happened. So I'm, I'm for it. It was a five beer for me. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I don't know if you guys noticed, but Pat McAfee has been wearing a, a soft neck brace on all of his Pat McAfee shows yeah. since, since the war games, which is fucking amazing. I, I Gotta love fucking it. love the guy just for that. Wex, what do you think about this one? I thought it was a fantastic match. And when it comes down to somebody like Pat McAfee, 
it's a relationship as I love you, but fuck you, because I'm a hardcore Tennessee Titans fan, and he played for the Colts for many years, and I just fucking hate the Colts. So it's always my deep down hatred, but he's just so damn good. For like the, the so promo at the beginning, good. like you guys mentioned, like, and he can work. We're just fantastic. And like I was gonna say, for a punter in the NFL who decided just to start wrestling in the past couple of years, I don't know how much training he's had, but he looks pretty fucking good out there. Yeah. Like it, I'm like I want to hate him so bad, but he's so dude, goddamn he good. Such a crisp punch. Like that I know, specifically, like, I was like, damn. Like it's like, bro. He's so. Ah, I can't explain. Like I, even though you guys didn't like the weapons as much, I thought it was a nice touch. With he had a table with each person's name on it, yeah. and at the very end of the match, Bobby Fish ended up go putting someone through that table with his name on it, yeah. which I thought was another well, nice was little done, touch. Right? Wasn't it done? Yeah, it was done. Yeah, definitely. That yeah, was Pete Dunn. And speaking of Pete Dunn, that goddamn brutal uh, bitter end on the chair to Adam Cole, like Ooh. that's that's one of those ones. Like when I was watching it, I, I was just like. Oh, like I just like my insides like just felt hurt weird. My feelings, for a man. I felt bad for him. It really hurt me. It hurt my it deep in my soul. Um, and then I was I was really really impressed with his moonsault off the top. And as we were alluding to earlier, if you can climb up the cage to flip off of it, why can't you climb up it to go into go into the ring? No, I agree. Agreed. That's one thing that really I just didn't didn't make any sense to me. I just I just thought about that now because we were talking about that earlier. I'm gonna go four beers on the match. Ours is four beers because these matches are just kind of chaotic, and I know it's just really a spot fest, but it still looked less set up than the women's match. They're seeing they just kind of st- like we we talked like we talked about earlier. They just kind of stood around too much on certain things, but I guess maybe them now wearing red is signifying the babyface turn. No more gold and black. Now the red is the new babyface color for the undisputed era. Oh, uh, we'll see. It could have just been like you know specific merge because of war games. You know that is kind of a running trend with that style. Of match, um, man. I mean, to me, like, I, I was glad it was done in a rival that started out. Uh, the mat wrestling was way more aggressive, and I felt like both guys were super solid and stiff, but somehow smooth and elegant, which is kind of what what the Thatcher and Tommaso Ciampa thing was kind of missing to me. Uh, one thing that I really noticed too is that Bobby Fish specifically. This is probably one of his best outings that I've seen him in in a couple of years. I mean, he's kind of been like. You know, no offense, but kind of the weakest link of, of Undisputed Era over the past couple of years. And the yeah, dude he's kind looked, of been injured. Yeah, yeah, bit. yeah, which is fair, which is fair. I'm not, I mean, I'm not trying to throw him under the bus, but he was very, very crisp. Uh, man, Mac, McAfee, like, just took a great ass beating, too, which is especially what he should have done in a War Games match, especially when you're true to that, you know, that style of, of match. That's that's when he's, the, the he ultimate heel is supposed to get his ass beat. Yeah, he sold it really, really well. Uh, nice dive off the top, too. Man, Dunn taking that vertical suplex on the steel divider, though, that hurt me. Like, yeah. that one hurt. Honestly, that hurt me just as much as the Adam Cole bump on the chair. Because uh, you could see him land, and there was no bounce. There was no skip. He just landed straight on the steel yeah. divider. Um, man, I will say, too, when McAfee kicked out of the Destroyer, it was a legit shock. Like, that was yeah, a true false finish, which is yeah. kind of rare for, for this, this, this kind of thing. Uh, you know, Undisputed Era getting the win here and kind of solidifying themselves as the baby faces. I felt like this match did everything right. And honestly, my biggest hope is that McAfee stays around and is still wrestling some of these guys. I know he doesn't have to, so it just kind of comes down to if he wants to or not. Cause the dude's making plenty of fucking money as it is. Um, I don't think he's going to be a long-term guy for years and years on the show. 
But if we could at least get a, a singles program with maybe Roddy or a singles program with like O'Reilly or maybe just a few more matches out of him, at least maybe through all the way up until like uh, some or WrestleMania, I feel like that would be great. Um, man, so this is how I feel about it. Is it really a War Games match? No, it's not. Do I wish that it called they called it something else? Yes, I do. But was it still a fucking barn burner? And was it the best war game NXT version of War Games match that we've seen thus far? Sure. It absolutely was. So yeah. that's why to me it's five and a half beers, almost six. It did go a little long and it was a little clunky. But for dude, for this many fucking guys to be in a match, especially with like guys that haven't worked a lot with each other going into a a relatively new gimmick. I mean, this whole NXT War Games thing has only been happening for, what, three years? Three or yeah. four years at most? So, like, I mean, and especially to have, like, you know, a non-wrestler being the best promo on the show, five and a half years for me, for sure. But, you know, like, boys, we have killed these two shows. We've just ran down the gauntlet. Which way are we leaning? Are you, you know, Jesse, which way are you leaning, man? You want to go NXT War Games, or are we going AEW Winners Coming? I got to go AEW all the way. Um, I know some of the ratings probably are close, but I just felt like as a show, it was better put together. And NXT would probably automatically rate higher to me if they lost the gimmick in the middle and if they had not ran a fucking hour on that women's war game match at the up front. That's fair. That's fair. Wax, where are you at? Which way are you leaning? I mean, it's obvious here. I'm definitely leaning with AEW winner is coming because everything progressed in that show. NXT War Games, necessarily everything didn't progress. And like Jesse mentioned, Finn Balor kind of buried War Games and was like, this bullshit, wait till Wednesday when I'm going to get back to the real deal. And that kind of undermined everything a little bit. And Sting, Sting, Sting automatically is going to get the victory. Sting, it's Sting! It's Sting! That's nice. Sting. We're going to get Sting versus Sting and Talking Shop of Mania 3? I'm hoping so. Yeah, I'm hoping so. Actually, boys, okay. So look for me. I'm gonna I'm gonna do the I'm gonna bitch out here because if I have to judge it based on booking, I think AEW is far and away the best booked show. I think they advance so many more storylines. If I'm booking it based off only bell to bell work, I actually think NXT Takeover War Games was a better bell to bell match by match show. Um, so, but I think that they're equal. I, I really do think they're equal. I think NXT was the best. If you want to watch a great wrestling show and you don't give a shit about the stories, NXT War Games to me was significantly ahead. If you just care about, if you're really into AEW and you really like what they're doing, uh, and, and you're watching their show every week, I think AEW did a fantastic job using this special to further their storyline. And now I want to kind of cap this off here too with a little bit extra, since this is kind of the buzz of the wrestling world. Let's talk about what's happening with Impact and AEW. Uh, at the end of the AEW show, you know, we had Don Callis, that whole, like, the, the full heel turn by Omega. And now, uh, you know, just recently, actually it was yesterday since we we're filming this show, that we saw Impact Wrestling and we heard Kenny Omega's promo um, about his big announcement, which is tonight. I know you, you guys will hear the show on Saturday, but we haven't seen the show yet, so maybe it'll be nice in hindsight for you guys to hear what we thought would happen tonight on wednesday so uh what do you guys think i mean where is this going wex what do you uh, do you think impact and AEW are going to merge like like where are you on it what i'm thinking is that kind of what a lot of other people have been thinking that they're kind of going to do a rehash of that austin uh airy storyline where he's collecting all the belts but actually make it work with kenny omega because he alluded to it in the promo mm-hmm. and he, he like i said after dynamite i think this weekend he rest, does triple a defends the mega championship 
So if he has those two belts and then somehow beats Rich Swan, has the Impact title, and then wins a New Japan title, and then like I could just see them just blending it all. That, yeah, that's kind of where I see the storyline going. But you never know; they could swerve us, and the Good Brothers could show up tonight. You never know. Uh, it's yeah, all up it's very air. possible. Jesse, where are you at on it, man? What do you think is going to happen with Impact, AEW, the landscape of wrestling outside of WWE? My favorite thing right now is that I really don't know. It, it's so up in the air. Great. I really enjoyed Omega calling him Ambrose in the promo on Impact. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. I <laughs> loved it. I loved it. I'm not, I've always been up on – I really, really like Don Callis as – a chicken shit heel type yes. dude. I I liked him even in the shitty parts of WWE. I thought he was effective still. Oh. His ECW work was stellar. The Jackal and Cyrus. Yeah. Dude, he took a hell of an ass beating. That's the best part about him. He talks and talks and talks. And when it's time to, for somebody to get their hands on him, he takes hella bumps and takes a great ass beating. And their ability to tie the story so far back, and there's so much more to that if you really look at the backstory involving Jericho and everybody else. I mean, there's... There is a wealth of layers for them to use to capitalize on this. I do think New Japan's going to wind up involved somehow. I don't know how directly, but I think between AAA and Impact already work together. So it's not yeah. outside of the realm of possibility to think that these four kind of come together in some sort of a I, – I wouldn't say a altogether AEW absorbs Impact kind of way just yet. That may be what they turn to. But I do think Impact's going to move to Florida for tapings. I do think that they're going to have some kind of a talent share – and I think that that's going to be really good for everybody on Impact's roster. And Impact's women's roster being available to AEW, I think, is probably the biggest boon yes. to AEW. Yeah, that's fair. So let me let me walk you down um, what I think is actually going to happen. Because I don't know if you if you guys did watch Impact last night. Uh, for us, it would have been Tuesday night. Um, there was a promo or a commercial, quote-unquote, that AEW paid for. And we actually saw Tony Khan on camera in an actual role, right? Tony and so, Tony. So if you think about it, Next year, around April or May, which would be right after WrestleMania time, is exactly 20 years when WWE bought WCW and we got the quote-unquote invasion angle. And the reason why it didn't work, it was a great idea. And Vince even thought, too, hey, like if, I, if, if I'm Coca-Cola and I buy Pepsi, I'm going to still keep making Pepsi. I would love to still just have a WCW show and just actually build my own competition, right? So I think that that's what's actually happening here. I think that Tony Khan is going to buy Impact Wrestling, but they, un, un, you know, unlike WCW losing all of its stars to you know Turner contracts where they could sit at home, all these guys in Impact are there. Not only that, but guys like AJ Styles might come back that you have that you can use, or maybe a Bobby Roode. I don't even know when his contract is coming up, but that would be a big spot too. So. What I honestly see happening is this is the beginning of a six-month to a year storyline where Impact is literally going to be absorbed by AEW. But I do think that a Impact Wrestling essentially becomes their SmackDown. Impact Wrestling essentially becomes what AEW Dark was supposed to be. It becomes a television show that is their B show with a different roster, with a different look, with a different feel. But it's all owned by the same guys. And we get a legitimate draft. Every year that's legit for a full fucking year. And there's a trade deadline where you can still make trades. I'll trade you Rich Swan and Chris Bay and the North all just to get Cody Rhodes over on impact. You know what I'm it saying? Like, like those, a, 
sports-based thing. Tony yes, Khan exactly, exactly. He's an NFL guy, and I think that, that would be – dude, that would be, to me, you could legitimately overtake WWE at that point. You could – because you are doing something so unique, spread out across Japan, Mexico, Impact. Even, even if Impact stays in Nashville, whether they move to Florida or not, which I do agree, they probably will. They'll probably will move to Florida because of, like, just the easy – the ease of it. But if, if you let just – everybody have their own Twitch channel, then everybody yes. – Yes, because it's only promo for your fucking company. Why Why would you possibly – that's a whole different podcast, man. That's so fucking stupid. It's so, it's so, it's so like, boomer scared. It's almost like, dude, you're literally – like, you're appealing to younger people on a regular basis by allowing these people to have their Twitch channels, right? You're getting brand new viewers that would not even watch wrestling just because they like – Watching a specific game that Xavier Woods happens to have the most viewers, so they click on that stream. They like his personality. Oh wait, he's a wrestler. Like this is. Why would you not let that happen? I, I just I don't understand. Not to mention the idea during WWE is the only company that has cut labor costs, fired talent, furloughed talent since this yeah. pandemic has existed, and yeah. they're now also going to be the only company to attempt to count these people's profits against the downside guarantees from their independently born channels. That's insane to me. It's bullshit. It's absolute bullshit. I mean, I I would understand completely if it was like, you know, Seth Rollins has a Seth Rollins at WWE Twitch, but none of those people are doing this. They're all yeah. using their real names and having their own like their own personal accounts. Like, I don't. I, it it doesn't make any. I don't understand how you can. To me, it almost feels like it, the NCAA or yeah, like the NCAA with like college players. Oh, yeah. It's like look, college look, basketball. Look, yeah. look, 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 I understand universities should not pay players. I get that. I don't think they should. But at the same time, if I'm if I'm Kyler Murray at Oklahoma or if I'm Johnny Manziel at, at you know, I mean, those big, huge superstar college players. Why can't I sign with Nike and do some commercials? I'm an American. I'm an illegal adult. I'm just using my name. I don't have to use those colors of the of the university. It's just. You're telling me I can't have a job and sell my likeness because I play a sport for a school? That's insane. It's the same thing with WWE. Like, I'm not trying to be, you know, Zelina Vega. You know what I mean? This honestly could be the beginning of their downfall of these dumbass decisions because they they think it might not be a big deal now, but it could be like the fucking – slow trickle that starts us all because Zelina- big, I mean like I don't I honest to God don't think the WWE is ever going to be like out of business I don't think yeah. that's ever going to happen I don't ever honestly think that they're ever going to get bought by NBC or anything like that I don't think that's going to happen but See, I do think there. <clears throat> but I do think that they're going to be the secondary company for a while and that's that, okay I think that uh, I think the Disney thing is pretty realistic. Yeah, I could definitely see Disney buying WWE 100 percent. A hundred percent, yeah. Putting them on Disney Plus, Disney Plus with like a with a WWE wing that you still pay maybe six dollars a month extra yeah, you for. Watch, on top you watch the new episode of The Mandalorian, then you watch Royal Rumble '99 back to back. Yep, yep. I can see that for sure. I can see it for sure. Um, honestly, for me, I actually see more of the Amazon thing just because they already do a lot of work with Amazon. They yeah, already have oh, a lot there of, you go. They have a lot. They already have a lot of their. And plus, it makes more sense to me because Prime is more like a. Uh, Prime to me is more like a cable service because you can still get, you know, you can get HBO and Stars and Showtime through Prime. So to me, Prime would be their best bet. And to be honest, that's what's what's fucked up, too. You you know, you touched on it as far as like them letting go and like cutting labor costs. But realistically, if you look at their stock, they're not they haven't really lost that much money 
since this whole pandemic started. So it's almost like they were just really looking for a way to trim the fat. Like they wanted to fire these people already. They just oh yeah. Didn't, you know WWE I mean? like, has has had their most profitable year ever in 2020. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's why I don't I don't ever see them buy like getting bought. I could see them being like HBO. HBO still owns HBO. You know what I mean? Like they would still. They could still be a prime channel. They could get a partner to have more money, and it get because I think that they realize now that USA and Fox and those TV rights, that shit's got a, a decade limit on it at best before no one gives a shit about TV. Everything is on streaming, and it can't just be your own streaming thing. You can't just live off WWE Network unless you want to make it nineteen ninety nine a month. Which, right. to be fair, I'm a fucking mark, and I would pay for that. But you know. I, I don't think they have the, the content and the quality of content that they want. I think if they did have a partner with a streaming service like like Amazon or like Peacock or even Disney, they would actually have better shit. They would have better originals. They'd have more documentaries because they'd have a partner. They would have time to make better shit. You know what I mean? <clears throat> I do find it interesting that they are streaming a lot of their compilation stuff on Peacock right now. Which, I mean, yeah. it makes sense with the NBC-affiliated deal yeah. and whatnot, but I'm surprised Fox allowed that to happen. Well, NBC still owns their Saturday Night Main Event stuff, too. And they've been yeah. using that since oh, before. Oh, shit, they do. That's yeah, crazy. Yeah, they, they still own all the rights to that, even the old wow. ladies shit, which is great. But, boys, that's going to do it for us this week. We've kind of touched on a little bit of everything here. Let's let's go ahead and break down the next couple weeks of our podcast, the, the, the rest of the year, if you will. Next week, I'm super, super, super excited about this. We have our first ever Indie Spotlight. Jesse, tell me about who we got on for our Indie Spotlight next week. We got my good pal, longtime, 22-plus-year veteran referee John Gray, the original deathmatch referee. He's done GCW, New South. I'm going to forget about a bunch of other shit that he's done, uh, lots of stuff with the collectives of the world and things along those lines. I'll let him get into his resume, but he's been doing it for a real long time. Super cool cat, full of great stories, knows just about everybody. It's going to be a really, really, really fun show. I'm super pumped about that. And the following week... We are tapping into NWA TNA 3, if you have Impact Plus. That's actually going to be the first ever pay-per-view that emanated from Nashville at the Municipal Auditorium. Us all being Nashville boys, we decided to check it out. That's going to be going up against XWF, a short-lived promotion also in the early 2000s. Uh, there's going to be episodes 1 and 2. How many episodes do they have total of XWF? Like Did 8 or something like the- that? I can't answer that question because it's all pretty. It's all up on YouTube, so I think that some of them are formatted differently. But yeah. I know that there's at least one and two that are like separate and available. Yeah, so we're gonna check out episodes one and two of XWF versus NWA TNA in Nashville. Wex, did you ever get to go to those like fairground shows and municipal and all that? Oh yeah, I used to get free tickets all the time. My buddy Casey Stokes, his parents always like somehow we're like oh you got free tickets to wrestling on wednesday you want to go to wrestling and i'm like well hell yeah let's go to wrestling so yeah i definitely i remember the remember the the women in the cage cages dancing and all that shit yeah hell yeah man lollipop you guys remember lollipop oh, good yeah. lord <laughs> we were all in our late teens at that point well of course we all remember lollipop and you know what else we're going to remember the very last show of 2020 is going to be our year in review it's actually going to be uh the first week of 2021 that's going to pop up uh, we haven't really figured out the format for that, but we're going to break down pretty much what's happened this year, how the pandemic has really shaped pro wrestling in, in you know, the negative ways, but also the positive ways. I mean, so many companies have kind of benefited from this pandemic. If you really look at you know, the, the unstoppable train that we all thought the WWE was, well, when you take away their arenas every 
you know, Monday and Friday night, it becomes a very, very different story. And you're getting fans viewing uh, wrestling shows on almost the same level. And I feel like that's kind of put some other other companies uh, quite a bit further ahead. So, yeah, that's going to wrap it up for us, though. This, 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 uh, this, the rest of this year, 2020 has been a fucking painful thing to deal with. Um, but, yeah, we're out. We're going to see you guys next week. My name is Mr. Know-It-All, Daniel John Schaefer. You can find me at Daniel Daybreak, also at kfabe.com. Jesse Baker, where can everybody find you? I'm at Jesse Baker Nash, as in Nashville, on Instagram and Twitter, and just my regular last name on Facebook. Yeah. Wex, where can people find you, brother? You can find me at Breaking the Lawson on Instagram, Wex Breaking the Lawson on YouTube, new AEW Dynamite review coming up tomorrow, and uh, also my regular, no, Wex Lee on Facebook because I try to go a little incognito, you know what I'm saying? Ooh. And Lawson Wex on Twitter. I think I've named everything. Everything that he's done is all weird and different. I don't understand why he would do that because he's, you know. That's me. He's a wild card. <laughs> all right. We'll see you guys next week. We're out. Peace.